the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. It's an interesting day on Wall Street today because when you watch Wall Street on a day-by-day basis, you can kind of get that roller coaster feel. Every year is full of its own stories. I like to say that, did you know, 2001, in August, what was the story of the year? Because we all know what happened in September. But what was August? It was the year of the shark. Sharks were eating people in the United States. There was shark, well, not eating. I guess sharks just bite. They don't actually eat. Maybe sometimes they eat. I'm sure they've eaten a leg or two, right? Nom, nom, nom. Uh, Which is still one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Orca the Killer Whale. Desperate to get a hit movie following Jaws, the movie studios came up with a killer whale story. And uh, I don't know. This guy does a whale wrong. Crosses its path and uh, upsets it. Maybe... There's a baby involved or something, but Orca, the, the killer whale, is mad and comes after the guy. And for some reason, he lives on stilts on the water, right? And uh, the killer whale starts hitting the stilts and convenient for the story and hits the stilts and hits the stilts. And the guy's girlfriend starts to slide into the ocean uh, out of nowhere. The killer whale jumps up out of the water, like breaks the water, like completely and is in the air. A killer whale is flying through the air. And bites off Bo Derek's leg. His girlfriend was Bo Derek. This was the 70s or 80s or something around there. I'm guessing 80s, early 80s. Just bites off her leg. It was like, could have eaten her whole. Could have put her in her mouth, chewed her up, and spit her out. No, just took off the leg. I know you're saying movies are awesome. The magic of that scene is obviously embedded in my head. So that can be kind of what Wall Street feels like at times. And again, any given year the stories change 2010 2020 if you take a look at the stories they differ like golden clay what was the big concern then is not the big concern now and in fact if you look at it there's something called the wall of worry on wall street where every year it's something different and what are we worried about in 2020 2021 2022 you know down the road we're going to look at those tax cuts expiring and they're going to have to be renewed and or expire, and how will that play out? Um, the wall of worry could be, okay, Saudi Arabia brought Saudi Aramco, big oil company, biggest company in the world. If you want to talk about like evil cabal syndicates, could be them. Uh, they brought them public, so now maybe the worry is like, well, since they're only going to care about the share price, maybe they'll cut the supply of oil. Could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not that's not unreasonable to think. So maybe our wall of worry for 2020 would be something like oil goes higher. Um, shock to the system. What if oil goes to 150? That would be a shock to the system. Around 60 to 80, we kind of like it. Around 40, we're like, eh, it's a little bit too low. We want the world to make money on stupid stuff like grimy, greasy oil. We want wealth to be other than just the United States. I spoke with a previous uh, State Department official, and uh, he said the way you stop terrorism is you invest in these countries. And I found that kind of interesting. Okay, tell me more. If they have money, they don't want to come take your way of life. If they have jobs, they don't want to come take your way of life. Uh, it's tougher to radicalize someone who has a job and a family than it is to radicalize someone who's poor and has nothing. So that's out there. I don't know. I'm just the roller coaster look of Wall Street. 2019, the story that drove me crazy started in 2018. The U.S. China trade war. On a daily basis, I had to look at this. And it's ridiculous. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Trump goes, we got the greatest deal ever. China says, there's no deal. What are you talking about? China says, we got the greatest deal ever. They're going to roll back tariffs. Trump says, like, no, we're not. It's almost as if they're not talking to each other. So the day-to-day watching the market is kind of silly. And I know I do a day-to-day show about the markets and investing in retirement. But what I'm really trying to do is get you to look at the big picture. And if you want to take the day off, take the day off. I'm not going to say anything that changes your life. Maybe I'm going to give you a concept that, that better improves the way you think about money or your relationship with money. Maybe I'll slip in like a quick review of my credit. My credit, it's been declining recently, my credit score. And it's all because I've let, in, I've let one card rise in value where I'm paying it off every month. But it went from something like paying off $2,000 of balance to $3,000, to $4,000, to $5,000. I got to cut out on my spending. But I tend to get caught up in the holidays. I tend to get caught up in uh, maybe I'll go skiing, buy a ski pass now, buy ski boots now, you know, do a little bit of spending. We're all guilty of it. You know, Another way of looking at the day-by-day stories of, of Wall Street, how everything's different some years, AMD's got the best product. Some years, NVIDIA does. Some years, Intel says things like, oh, we're going to make a GPU. We're going to build more GPU functions into our chips, so you don't need an NVIDIA or an AMD. And on any given year, one of those three could be the dominant story. They all do kind of the same thing, but some years, the, the story is the shifts. And the toughest thing that I've seen you do is you get caught up in that. You get a loyalty to a stock, um, and you start hoping for a stock. One of my Wall Street phrases or one of my memes or one of my sayings or my mantras, and I think everyone should have 20 indelible thoughts that they believe in, is tied towards hope. Hope belongs on the football field and in church. Hope does not belong on Wall Street. And to me, what that means is hope. I hope the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl because I think it makes people happy, except for the Raider fans. I hope they both play each other in the Super Bowl, and it's a great game. I hope my team wins. I hope my team comebacks and, and like, trounces the other. Yeah, I don't, first and foremost, I'm not a big football guy, and I don't wear any jerseys. I find men that wear 
professional jerseys. Sad, sad, sad. And I'll tell you why. A, you don't play for that team. B, that team is cold and they don't care about you. Go throw a soda on their quarterback and see if they, they give you like a raise. <laughs> see if they give you box seats. No. Um, and the jerseys are so expensive. It's offensive that you you would put on a $160, $170 NFL licensed San Francisco 49er jersey. It's not worth that much money. With that said, um, hope belongs on the football field, sure. And uh, hope belongs in church. I hope that there's a God, and I hope that there's life after death. I hope that heaven is all that in a bucket of chicken. Um, I hope, you know, I could see my old puppies, my old dogs, my friends. Like, I, I get it. On Wall Street, it's about the numbers. And the sooner you come to terms with that and you start losing some of that loyalty, you start losing fear, you start losing greed, and you just look in the numbers. Apple's Apple because they're number one. They're good at what they do. They pull in a lot of revenue tied towards it. Same thing with Visa. So, like, you can look at blue chip companies and figure it out. It's not rocket science. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of my favorite entrepreneurs to talk about is Mark Cuban. Not because I think he's the best entrepreneur to talk about, but I think he's probably one of the most relatable for, that we can all agree on. That we all can say, okay, I know who this guy kind of is. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's on Shark Tank. His background comes from Broadcast.com. He started basically a radio state, a, a server that hosted radio stations online. And you could listen to radio stations from around the world. Way back when the internet didn't have a lot of content. Back when there was software companies like Real Player that would make audio compression and eventually video compression, which later becomes things like FaceTime. Now, <clears throat> Pretty smart guy. He sold Broadcast.com to the perfect time to Yahoo. Basically destroyed the company. Um, I'm not saying Mark Cuban destroyed Yahoo, but their acquisitions kind of started falling apart right about then. So he shorted Yahoo after he sold his company to Yahoo. It's almost insulting, right? Um, I don't know. But one of the things that he said recently that it does make a lot of sense to me and it does ring true he says, I've got enough money. I value my time a lot more than my next dollar. And a lot of people think that's why he bought a private jet. Now, it's going to be kind of interesting because millennials don't like private jets. Millennials, I'm speaking, they all think the same exact thing. They all eat the same exact food, avocado toast. It's groupthink. Of course not. But there's kind of a flight shaming thing right now. But we'll, we'll go there later. What Mark Cuban said was, you know, um, when he learned that he became a billionaire, when his paper net worth became that high, he did something called the little naked billionaire dance. Now, I don't really want to think about him dancing naked or anything like that, but basically he said, that's how much money I need. That's my, that's it. That's my big, that's it. 
I can respect that. Um, and he's got kids and family, and I can respect that. Now, is he still a little bit of an egomaniac? I don't know. Uh, he seems to be enjoying life. During the 1978-1979 school year, I wanted to hit on this as soon as I could. It cost the modern equivalent of $17,680 per year to attend a private college. $8,250 per year to attend a public college. Now, again, that's inflation adjusted. By 2008-2009 school year, those costs had grown to $38,700 for a private school, $16,400 for a public school. So double, right? That's fair to say. $17,000 becoming $38,000, $8,000 becoming $16,000. Now you jump up 10 more years, and that was a 20-year jump, right? Now you jump up 10 more years from 2008 to 2018, and you see the costs are 48000 So it goes from 17000 20 years later, 38000 10 years later, 48000 Same thing, same trend goes on with uh, public schools. Yet, we could all sit and probably say, it's still a pretty good investment. College graduates earned weekly wages that are 80% higher than high school graduates. There's a study from the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, that says Americans with a bachelor's degree have a median weekly salary earnings of about $1,100 a week, compared to $700 for those with a high school diploma. So there's some angle on that, right? But it's getting more and more expensive. One of the reasons getting more and more expensive is lackluster state, state funding, from 2008 to 2018, the average tuition at four-year public college has increased in all 50 states. Tuition has increased, on average, about 37%. Net costs have increased 24% during that 10-year period. And state funding or state spending per student, I think spending is kind of the correct term, not funding, um, it's miserable in some states. It's unbelievable in others. The states most geared towards colleges, the states that support their college systems the most, Montana, New York, California, Wisconsin, Alaska, then it gets like huge. The states that do the most for their college students, Hawaii, Wyoming, North Dakota, and Illinois. Wouldn't have thought that. So it really starts to beg the question of what constitutes public public higher education, right? Um, and how much the state and government support their public schools. When you start talking about publicly traded stocks, you kind of get the concept of this is kind of a state program. This is kind of something we owe it to the, the institution. So tuition increases offset the state funding decreases. Cost of living is also a big factor. Healthcare costs, retirement costs, faculty costs, infrastructure costs. Those buildings aren't cheap, right? Cost of living has steadily increased over the past several years. College students are not immune to that impact. If you go to Berkeley, your, your housing costs, or Berkeley or Stanford, your housing costs are going to be considerably higher than, say, Chicago. Well, it's not like Chicago as an example. Let's use Medford, Massachusetts, or uh, Schenectady, 
Massachusetts. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I know Schenectady. So a lot of things going on, but there's also some other expenses. Uh, frivolous luxuries. Students have to have laptops. Students have to have tablets. Students have to have watches. Students have to have uh, more. And then on top of it, getting into schools is more competitive than ever. So there's record-breaking number of applications. And then you just have an overall competitive economy and costs continue to skyrocket. Uh, there is no solution to this until it breaks or until we commit resources to a different direction or until the people that need the uh, employees start training them themselves. So there's no electrician school, and yet there's electricians. There's no plumber school, and yet there's plumbers. I'm not sure why we need an electrical engineering school. We could train them at the job if they're good at it, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. One of the big stories of 2019, maybe one of the big stories the last five years was how a, a little app company called Robinhood started doing free trading and started getting some size and some clout. It, it changed the industry. Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity all said, we're going to go to free trades. They didn't have to. That was their response after they saw the small little guy win. Now, at some point in time, I would imagine Robinhood's going to be acquired by someone. It's a cute app. You can get it on your phone. You can go to lunch today, haven't seen your buddy, do a little holiday chit-chat together. And, uh, hey, I, I just left my company. I'm working for this new company, and uh, we just went public, and we're really on to something. Oh, really? Dink, dink, open your app and buy some shares of the company. So at some point in time, and you're buying them from your bank account in real time, and it's good, and it's okay, and it's, it's decent service. Acorns is a, a decent service. I feel comfortable with them. I still have not seen paperwork for the retirement account, like, uh, like how much you can show that you invested in a retirement account at the end of the tax year. I'll get that this year because I opened an account with Acorns just so I could touch it out so I could say yay or nay. But the technology works like it's supposed to. I just want to make sure the paperwork's good. In the past, companies like TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, and Vanguard they kind of started to succeed because they had better paperwork. People like me want good trade confirmations, and people like me want good tax documents. I wasn't really concerned with one cost $5 or one cost $20 or one cost $40. But when it went free, it kind of broke the system. So Charles Schwab is responding to it, and we'll see if in the coming years if their response is enough. They're trying to become, for lack of a better word, the big chunkus of finance, of brokerages. Big chunkus is a character from uh, Warner Brothers. It's a character, Bugs Bunny, when he did that, how shall we refer to it? He drank the Dr. Hyde and Mr. He turned into this big rabbit. He's known as Big Chunkus. And he was intimidating because he didn't think of Bugs Bunny as that big of a character. 
that monstrous looking. Anyhow, uh, I was obviously scarred as a child. So Schwab has upended the brokerage world with a deal to take out a top rival, TD Ameritrade. Deal rumors have been flying through the years of you know consolidation, but then it happens. Um, Schwab shocked investors. It's a $26 billion deal. It's clearly a monumental deal in a space, one that, quite frankly, you know, was a surprise. Um, E-Trade is set to be acquired at some point in time because size now matters. Volume, volume, volume. How are they going to make up for the service that is free when that used to be 7% of their revenues at Schwab? How are they going to make up for free? The takeover is not surprising uh, because, again, what you're seeing with companies like Robinhood disrupt the digital world. And again, we saw it with Bank of America. They said, if you use our app and you print a not print a check, but deposit a check, if you use our app and pay a bill, if you use our app and transfer money to a friend, we'll give you $15. Because every time you do that, it used to cost us a human being. When you deposit a check, a human being, she was lovely. I fell in love with a bank teller once. She was so... I would go in just to, you know, cash checks that I didn't even need to have. Like, I, I I loved it. Even an ATM still needs people to operate those ATMs and to empty the ATMs. So if you're taking a picture of a check and then you're ripping up your check if, as you've deposited it, you're no longer having that cute teller who Rob Black was 17 years old and fell in love with. So that person's out of a job. So now I have to go look for love elsewhere. <laughs> I know you're saying, did you try to impress women when you were 16, 17 years old with the size of your paychecks? No, I want to do that. Um, but you get the idea. You're seeing just the whole digitalization knock people out. It's happening in banking. It's happening in brokerages. There used to be a stockbroker would call you up and say, hey, my firm, Charles Schwab's got a great idea. Can I put you down for 100 shares? In 2015 to 2020 has been a years of just remarkable change in, in digital banking. I know Bank of America has been doing a, a mobile app since 2012. But now the apps are starting to put people out of jobs and let the games begin. So Schwab now has Ameritrade, and they're a much larger asset gathering machine with a lower cost structure and higher margins. Anytime there's a merger that does a lot of brokerage or does a lot of the similar things, you could suddenly kill the vice president of trading or the president of trading or the president. If you have two COOs, if you have two CTOs, if you have two CFOs, you could start trimming some fat while retaining those assets. So they're a big custodian of assets now. The combined firms can have $5 trillion in assets. 24 million brokerage accounts. Analyzed revenue of $16 billion, $8 billion in pre-tax profits. And again, you start thinking about that, and you're like, wait, Apple does that every 90 days. They do that only in a year? Yes. Yes. And that shows you why Apple's so enamoring. So for Schwab now, with lowest fees being the standard, scale and cost cutting is the key to more profits. Companies expect to eliminate about $2 billion of Ameritrade's operating costs, reaching 52% of Ameritrade's expenses by the third year. They both had used to have conferences. Now they can cut the number of conferences down. Do you see how like it makes some sense? In an industry that doesn't have the ability to innovate a lot, they have to look internally. 
TD Bank will retain 13% ownership of Schwab. Schwab's earnings per share of about uh, will grow an extra 4% all the way up to about 10%, some expect. So brokerage companies typically have very skimpy yields on cash that they give customers. Sometimes you'll see like a Fidelity or a Vanguard try to break it and offer higher yielding money market funds. But now that the commissions have gone to zero, reduced competition may make brokers less inclined to reduce fees in the few areas that you know retain some, some fat. Schwab has moved some small advisory firms from team-based service to regional model support by service professionals, what advisors would call a call center. So anytime you work with a certified financial planner and they have a big brokerage like a Schwab or a Meritrade or a Fidelity, they typically have a team tied to them. And they tie, they're tied to your financial planner, your investment advisor. And now that's going to go more call center. Okay. And again, so that's the, some of the smaller RIAs, and the bigger ones will be fine. But I think there's more deals to be had here. Um, Goldman Sachs has launched its Marcus Consumer Banking brand. It's not working for me. I played around with it. JP Morgan offered free trading on stocks and exchange-traded funds. So you're going to see the Goldman Sachs and JP Morgans take a look around, and they're going to see the Morgan Stanleys and UBS. They, everyone's going to look at each other and say, how do we go forward? And there isn't a crisis here like there was in 2008 when banks failed and some companies like Merrill Lynch got bought for a song by Bank of America. I know you're saying it's bought for a song. Um, But it is interesting to watch. And uh, we'll see what comes out of it. Schwab executive said that the company was wrong in its interest rate forecasts. Um, Some of their... Business decisions now will be get more scrutiny because there's more people impacted by bad calls. So the question is, what will advisors do? Most advisory firms have less than 100 million in assets, and many found homes at Ameritrade. They courted smaller firms aggressively. Schwab's 100 million is considered marginal. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays and what sort of products come out of it. But I call that a big win for Robinhood, the app. Whether or not they're able to ever come up with enough banking services to be materially significant or relevant to bring the company public. Um, You know, a lot of these apps like Credit Karma, it's a wonderful app. It's a wonderful service. And you're like, how do they make money? Well, they try to get you to sell, they try to get you to open up a credit card to improve your credit, or they try to get you, you see, and uh, there's not a lot of money in that. So I'll be interested to see what Robin, Robinhood is able to do to uh, grow, because one of the things that they tried to do and they failed quickly was a bank account that had a high yield tied towards it. And our banking regulator said, nope, you're too much of a nap, not enough of a bank. Okay. So that's a big shift in the industry um, and how it plays. Will be interesting. Consolidation. Again, not an area where you think of directly, but you've seen your banks get smaller in the number of people inside them. And you've seen some of the roles, like if you go inside a bank now, oh, do you want to thank you for cashing your check, Mr. Black? Would you like to talk to, would you like to get a new mortgage? I'm like, no, I'm good. Uh, it's all about the upsell. So. 
Anyhow, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. Make sure you have good times to balance out all the hard work you do. Uh, I'm a big fan of your, your saving for retirement, so cut yourself some slack on occasion and enjoy life. But save for retirement. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 2020 is going to be a big year for technology. We can already see two big events happening. 2020, you're going to see more 5G rollout, more 5G conversations, more 5G commercials, more 5G product, and that all is cutting-edge technology. So the companies like Broadcom and Qualcomm, companies like Apple and Samsung, they're all going to be looking to like get their products in your hands. Next big thing for 2020, two big video game consoles coming. Microsoft came out and named their, their new Xbox. It's not a life-changing name. It's not like the, the, the soul killer. Um, and it inevitably, we'll call it something slightly different, right? Um, but those two consoles have a lot of technology and technology product in them. And it'll push to the next level. We're already starting to see some game previews. And some of them look pretty darn entertaining, to say the least. My cousin uh, is playing Dungeons & Dragons. And I can just tell you that there's a lack of innovation in games because I remember 40 years ago, my brother Michael playing Dungeons & Dragons. But now it's kind of super cool. Then it was kind of a, you know, roll the dice, you know, kind of a, more of a nerd uh, hobby. Now it's a little bit more celebrated, especially probably because of Stranger Things. Wizards of the Coast, the Hasbro-owned company behind the popular 45-year-old tabletop game, um, said that there's going to be a big third-person action role-playing game tied towards Dungeons & Dragons. So now, again, that brand will will live on even further. Um, there's kind of a period of time where the Dungeons & Dragons uh, franchise kind of got a little bit usurped by just anyone saying, oh, we got a dungeon game. But there's something to be said about that brand. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. With the stabilization of some issues of 2019, hopefully you saw that when there's questions, people panic. When there's results, whether you like them or not, people accept them. And I think one of the best areas that we've seen that in is like the 10-year treasury. When there's no deal, you see people say, I want something that's safe. I'll take a horrible, minuscule return of one point of 2.2% or 1.8%. Oh, it's getting worse out there? 1.6%. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, it's getting awful out there? People are dying. 1.5, I'll take it. People will lock into a lower number as they're nervous. It's interesting to note how the demon unknown is so much of a driver. And my opinion is it's capitalism and things always get done. 
uh, I would be I would be surprised if you know how the U.S. and Russia had all these Cold War tensions. It eventually turned into glasnost and turned into come visit Russia, bring your blue jeans, bring your rock and roll and Coca-Cola. And now you're saying that is the worst Russian accent I've ever heard. It probably is. And I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> That's all I got for you, ladies and gentlemen. You can turn out the lights. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is back because of Stranger Things. Nah, I'm not going to say that. But you can see the power of the brand, right? <laughs> That horrible musical, Cats, is now a movie. Did we need it? Nah. Just another way of repurposing the old into the new. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Two areas that I look for in times of rally are semiconductors and banks. So if you see those two sectors going higher... And you mix in the Dow transports, those three sectors, you can find a semiconductor index really easily. It's called, just look for a semiconductor ETF. Um, one of them is SMH. As that's hitting a 52 week high or it's breaking out, it's telling you Wall Street's expecting something big to happen. Uh, businesses are going to replenish their servers. New gaming consoles going to come out. New phones are going to come. Something's going to happen in six months. When you see semiconductors lead, same thing with banks. Banks tend to lend money, and then there seems to be economic activity shortly thereafter. The Dow transports as stocks go, a little bit less reliable of an indicator because in the past, trains, planes, and automobiles have been a little bit lumpy. The automobiles have been the easiest sector to read for a tell on the future of the economic activity in the United States. But planes... Sometimes they got into a situation where there's too much competition that price fight each other, even in good economic times. When they should be raising fares, they would compete with each other to make sure that their capacity was at 99.7% on each plane ride. Those are probably the three sectors that I pay most attention to as far as future and comfort levels go. I also do pay attention to the 10-year treasury, and when the 10-year treasury is under 2%, I buy stocks. I've made a I've made a name of that, and I've done pretty darn well, haven't I? Anytime the ten-year Treasury is under three percent, stock market's basically moved up that year. On a three and a half percent, it's it's at four percent, three and a half, four, four and a half percent. I'm buying bonds. I'm not buying bonds at one point six percent. Now again, that's my standards, and I, I'm not. I may not get a lot of that, and as I get older, I may have to change that. Because I will want more stability as I age. But those are some of the economic... Oh, and the jobs market. The first Friday of every month. If that's reported as well or solid as good, improving, I'm still in the market. Those are the indicators that I'm looking at right now. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. <laughs> 